use the songs that you already know and add a sign to it. I mean, the games you already play with your baby, like if you're playing Peekaboo or you're playing How Big Is Charlie, so big, like those games, those books, those songs, that's what you can sprinkle a little sign language onto. You don't have to go do something completely new and add something more to your list. It's just adding a little like dressing on top of what you're already doing. Hi, I'm Shelly. And I'm Maria. And you're listening to the Baby Pro Podcast, where we talk about everything and anything related to pregnancy and through the first year of your child's life. Every episode, we will discuss and interview experts on all the answers to the questions expectant and new parents want to know, such as creating the perfect birth plan, infant sleep, and tips and tricks for parenting a newborn. And welcome to the show. Hey, Maria. Hey, Shelly. It's finally getting warmer. I know. It's actually raining right now. It's raining here too. The peepers have started peeping. I don't know if you, do you have any like ponds or lakes near your house anywhere? Kind of. I'm, we're hearing more birds. That's for sure. The spring peepers are my favorite sound. It's the little tiny frogs that come out and start doing their little froggy love dance for like the next couple of months. I love that you love that. I love that. I love that. <laughs> They're just out there singing their little hearts out right now. And yeah. it's just so fun to hear. It's fun to hear. Our chickens have been happy because, you know, we had that storm last week, right? Was it last week or the week before? Sometime in the last 10 days, I think. Yeah. We got dumped with two feet of snow. Yeah. And so they were in their coop for like three days straight. And now, uh-huh. now they're running all up and down the street and super happy. Yeah. But I had... <laughs> I bought snowshoes because I wanted to try snowshoeing. I saw the storm was coming. They got delivered the day before the storm. So it it snowed like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And then by Saturday, all the snow was gone. (laughs) We've had no snow really last this year, which is super depressing. You know, there's tons of people out there going, no, this is great. But like, sorry, this isn't, this isn't okay. What's really what I... You know, it's not okay. And I feel like it's really bizarre because it hasn't really snowed that much. But my kids still had like six snow days. Yeah. Because the three times it did snow, it was like big snow. And so they missed two days of school each time. So for us out here, we also had like our, I think, six snow days. Mm -hmm. And I can't even say that for us, I think half of them weren't even real snow days. But because we're a regional school district and we have multiple towns that come to our schools, there were certain towns that got hit more with snow than we did. So Mm -hmm. there was a couple of times where it only ever rained at my house. And I'm like, well, this is a huge waste of a snow day. But in the towns adjacent, it was snowing. Right. And that's how it is for us. We're a regional school district, too. It's kind of like you you go on the local moms groups on Facebook yeah. and half the people are like, this is ridiculous. And the other half are like, I have 18 inches outside my house. Where, where are you? <laughs> yeah, I know. It sucks. And I, yeah, I don't know. I am concerned that we're going to have another drought this summer. Pretty sure. Because we just didn't have enough snowfall. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I came across this article that is predicting the next um, baby eating comebacks. And they're primarily names from that were really popular during the 1920s. 
Oh, interesting. So number one is Robert. Robert. Which, yes. So my father's name is Robert. And then my stepfather's name is Robert. So I always joke with my mom. Like, That's funny. I have not heard any Roberts. My great uncle was a Robert. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Number two is John. I have worked recently with a couple families who named the baby John. Not Jonathan? Just straight up John? Just John. Have you come come across that? I haven't had any Roberts. Um, no, I haven't really seen too many boy babies lately, though. <laughs> You're getting <laughs> all the girls. <laughs> um, but I'm going to have to start paying attention to that now. Number three is James. James is always, I feel like, popular. <laughs> I'm always working with James. John, right? Like, isn't John just one of those? It's like Maria. Those, it's just, it's always around. Right. Like my husband is John, but not too many babies until recently. Hmm. Um, William, number four. Mm -hmm. I've had a couple of Williams. Charles. So I've had some Charles, but it's girl babies. Interesting. And they call them Charlie. Which I happen to think is an awesome name for a girl. Well, for a boy too, or whoever, you know. I kind of like those names that are not traditionally one gender and get used for another. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because actually the name Morgan can be used both male and female. Yeah. Yep. Stacy. Stacy can be used for males. Yeah, Stacy. Uh, Dana has another one. Mm-hmm. I think for a long time, the name Morgan was actually used more for boys than girls. And then it started coming back around to more girls. Mm-hmm. Number six is George. I've had one George. I haven't heard any of these baby names. Really? Yeah. maybe I'm A lot of times that. it's like, oh, they're named after their grandfather, you know, kind of situation. Right. Yeah. Joseph. I love the name Joseph. I have seen a lot of Joseph babies. Huh. No Josephs for you. No, I'm gonna. Like, you know I'm gonna be working at the hospital this weekend, so I'm gonna be like asking. Hey, what's, your what's your baby's name? You're, you're probably gonna. <laughs> you're probably gonna have more luck with the girls uh-huh. list. Yeah, uh, Richard. I know a lot of Richards, but no baby Richards. <laughs> yeah, I don't know any baby Richards. Edward. I've had one or two Edwards recently. I really like Edward. I like that name. But they call him Eddie, though. It's always like we call him Eddie. Uh, number 10 is Donald. Oh, that's <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. For girls' names, number one, Mary. Mary, huh? I've had one Mary. I have a friend named Mary. We all have friends named Mary. <laughs> I know. And my great grandmother, we used to call her Grandma Mary, mm-hmm. even though her name was Maria. She was who I was named after. Number two is Dorothy. I love that name. I haven't had any Dorothy's. I love that name, though. I do. Number three is Helen. I haven't had any Helens. Uh, It's one of my top three favorite names, I think. Is it really? It is. I wanted to name Morgan Helen. Why didn't you? Dan didn't... He didn't like that name. Yeah. Uh, Number four is Betty. Not Beatrice? Nope. Betty. Just straight Betty. Just straight up Betty. Given to 283,097 girls born in the 1920s. Huh. I haven't had any buddies. Number five is Margaret. I like the name Margaret and I like the name Maggie. And yeah, I can I, see that coming back. <laughs> I had a friend in high school named Margaret. 
Really? But I don't, yeah, but I don't think it's a, it seems like a common name, but I don't think I know a lot of, I've known a lot of people named Margaret. I feel like there's more people like our grandparents' age. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Yes. It feels like more of that kind of generation. Um, Number six is Ruth. That's my mother-in-law's name. (laughs) There you go. Number seven, Virginia. I love Virginia. My aunt is Virginia and we call her Ginge. The Ginge sometimes when we're annoyed. (laughs) The Ginge. The Ginge. (laughs) The Ginge. Uh, Number eight is Doris. Okay. I kind of like the name Doris. Doris. I'm just saying. (laughs) I have and named Doris. Any babies named Doris? No, I have not had any babies with any of these names. (laughs) You're like striking now everywhere. I am. I don't think I'd seen, like, I'm going to go back through all my clients recently, but I'm pretty sure none of them were named any of these names. I wish our EHR would like break down. You know how it runs reports for us at the end of the year. I wish it would show us like most, most common baby's name. Oh, that'd be cool. That would be cool. Number nine is Mildred. (laughs) I actually really like that name. It seems like such a nerdy name, but I really like it. But no babies. I haven't had any babies named Mildred. Number 10 is Francis. That's another one that can go for either boys or girls. That is true. That is yeah. true. Well, that was fun. Hopefully, we'll see some of these names start to pop up. I mean, James. Pay attention. Yeah. Let's do our question of the week. Um, this week's question was submitted through Instagram. And... She asks, I'm pregnant and making my baby registry. Which breastfeeding pillow is best? Oh, yeah. I mean, that is such a subjective question. There really is no best breastfeeding pillow. Mm -hmm. It's what's best for you. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Honestly, and if you're go to like Babies R Us or Bye Bye Baby or something like that and go and try on the pillows if you can. Or a friend's house. Yeah, if you have any friends that it have It depends on like even how long is your torso? How wide is your lap? Like how yeah. big is your baby? How what strong kind of are you, birth are you gonna have? Because you might need something that's more supportive or not. Mm-hmm. But then like the whole other side of that is like if you can get into a comfortable breastfeeding position, you don't really need a breastfeeding pillow. Right. I mean, I always found breastfeeding pillows helpful because I could read a book while I was breastfeeding. But you don't want to like depend, like if you only, if you learn how to latch only using your breastfeeding pillow. I will say it's super helpful for like, let's say people with maybe C-section scars that can't have a lot of pressure on their belly. I find it really helpful for people with very large breasts as well, Mm -hmm. because it gives you something more to like lift the girls with, right? Yeah, or large Um, babies too. Or really large babies. Yeah, for sure. Every time I do a visit with a family, I always show them how not to breastfeed with their pillow. Mm -hmm. And it's not on purpose. It's just that every time I see these families and they're using these pillows, they're almost always like hunched over the baby in the process. Well, that's the problem, right? Because those pillows instinctively put you in a not so great posture. Not a very ergonomic posture. So, yeah. So unless you're aware of what your posture should be like, you know, and I have no problem like stacking pillows and putting the breastfeeding pillow on top for like moms with 
with long torsos, like I'll do that. But it's like, if you only know how to latch in that one position hunched over your pillow, and what are you going to do when you leave the house? All that stuff just makes it harder. It does. To give you a direct answer though, I will say I lived in my body. I also had very large breasts. So when I was breastfeeding, they were enormous. And I'm not sure I could have survived without a boppy for that reason. But I have known a lot of other people that really prefer the My Breast Friend because it's really firm support and they really like that firm support. I didn't like it because I felt like I was being strapped into the pillow because you are you are being strapped mm-hmm. into the pillow. And I, I just didn't like that felt too stiff and awkward. I do. I do feel like I like, so this is like a difference of opinion, right? I feel like I like my breast friend better yeah, because it's a little bit more firm because I find that babies will sink into the boppy. The, if we try to reposition the boppy to like have more, the boppy just moves away from the mom's body. But I will say when I was having babies, cause my kids are older than yours, boppy was it. Yeah. There wasn't my breast friend yet. There wasn't all these other breastfeeding pillows that were coming out. It was just like you use regular pillows or you use the boppy or you didn't use pillows at all. So when I got the boppy, that was like, I didn't really have a choice. I didn't really have anything to compare it to. And that's what I used because that's what was available. Yeah. Sometimes I think the baby market, when it comes to like breast pumps and pillows and bra, it's so oversaturated. We do not need this many choices. Right. Yeah, I totally agree. It just paralyzes people. Yeah. And again, like 56 bottles to choose from. Well, what bottle do I pick? Like it's, it's too much. Right. Yeah, it is too much. And most of the bottles on the market are crap. Mm-hmm. But back to like breastfeeding pillows, I would really try to take a class or work with a lactation consultant after you have the baby to find a comfortable position that doesn't involve pillows. Mm-hmm. And most often that's like a laid back or reclined position of some kind. Mm-hmm. Um, you might need like some pillows under your arm to support like your your arm or your shoulder for a little bit. But if you're in a reclined enough position, you've got a lot of gravity assisting you and you don't really need to like be holding the baby up to you because gravity is holding the baby on top of you. Right. Yeah, and this is like probably 80% of the families I work with, I end up having them in this position and they're always like, oh my gosh, this is so That's much so more, much more comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, wait. and some families are like, I'm like, okay, we're going to ditch the pillow. We're going to, what, what, what? Like they become like attached to that yeah. pillow because they're like, well, I don't know how to latch it unless I have the pillow. We take yeah. the pillow away, put the bottom and lay back and they're like, oh my gosh, my back doesn't hurt. Yeah. I'm oh like, my gosh, gosh my shoulders can hurt. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I don't feel like I need to like squeeze the baby. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. And like I said, there's nothing wrong with liking these pillows and using these pillows. I used it all the time if I wanted to read or type while I was breastfeeding, yeah. but it you shouldn't become so dependent on it that that's the only way you know how to breastfeed. Yeah. Um, so that was a great question. And if you have a question that you would like answered on the podcast, you can submit it to us on Instagram at Shelly Taft IBCLC. Maria, have you, did you ever do sign language, like baby sign with Morgan? I didn't. You didn't? I did not. No, I never got into that with her. I never found it difficult to communicate with her. 
Yeah, I did it with my kids because I thought it was fun. Like when I say that I did the sign language, maybe like five or six signs. Like it wasn't, it wasn't this extensive vocabulary. It was more or less like, not like nurse right? was this. And then like more if they wanted more when they were starting solids. And so I didn't really get too serious into it, but it was fun. And it was nice if we were in the grocery store that they could just sign instead of screaming out like, yeah. I want a nurse <laughs> Yeah. So this week we are speaking with Lane from Tiny Signs all about baby sign language and how it can benefit your baby and the communication you have with your baby. That's exciting. This week we are speaking with Lane Rebello. Lane Rebello is a mom of two, a licensed social worker, and author of four popular baby sign language books, including the best-selling Baby Sign Language Made Easy. She is also the founder of Tiny Signs, an award-winning baby sign language program. She offers classes, story times, and support through her virtual membership community, Club Tiny Signs. You can find her online at Tiny Signs and on Instagram at Tiny Signs. Hi, Elaine. How are you? I'm great. Thanks I'm for having so me. I'm so excited you were able to, to join me because I love this topic. I used baby sign language with my kids not extensively, but maybe like five or six signs here and there that we kind of settled on and used. And I'm so excited that you teach it and you're here to tell us all about it. I love to hear that people used it and that they had a good experience <laughs> with it. And I'm on a mission. So many people say, oh yeah, we did more and milk. And I'm like, oh, going, keep going. Cause that's where the magic happens is when you kind of push through like that first handful. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I love that. I want to know which ones you used. Oh, well, we used, um, well, we called, we called it nanas in my house. Yeah, so we didn't sure. say milk. We just said nanas. Sure. Um, I think there was more, yeah. which I think we may have used with hung, like hungry. Yeah. Mom, dad, hung, um, thank you. That's awesome. These, I think like those are the basic, the very basic yeah. ones. Yeah. For some reason, my son really liked orange and he would just sign it for color and fruit. Just, he would get all excited when he'd see either the orange fruit or the orange color and just sign it repeatedly. I don't know why it was his favorite. Does he still like it now? Um, no. (laughs) Funny how they grow out of things. And I'm always interested, like what sticks and what gets left behind. Mm -hmm. So So tell us a little bit about yourself. Anything that you want to share? Sure. So I'm a mom of two. I've got a 12 year old and a 17 year old and soon to be my 12 year old will be 13 this summer. So I'm almost on the verge of having two teenagers and it's not as bad as people say, I actually love having teenagers. They're funny and really, I learn stuff from them all the time. So teenagers are awesome. They have a mm-hmm. bad rap. So I've got two kids. I have, I'm a social worker is my background. So prior to becoming a mom, I worked with kids and families here in Massachusetts as a social worker, a clinical social worker. And then I had my daughter in 2006 and stayed home with her. And that's kind of how this evolved. I basically had heard about, this was in 2006, so it wasn't as common as it is now, but there was a little bit of baby signing happening. So I kind of dove into it and was, you know, it's like, you probably went through this too when you were a new mom, you're like reading and everything. You're just like, Mm -hmm. you know, everything from parenting and development and all that stuff. So I dove into it 
and um, just became fascinated by the language. And I'm very fortunate because where I live, there's a school for the deaf near me that offers classes to the community. Mm -hmm. So I was able to start taking classes there at night, which was wonderful because, you know, when you're a mom of a baby and changing diapers all the time and in the trenches, it's nice to kind of get out for a couple hours and do something that stimulates your brain and learn something new. So yeah, so when my first started preschool is when I launched Tiny Signs, which is my business and started teaching classes locally. Actually, the first classes I taught were really in my family room because people would see us out and about at the library or wherever and they'd see my daughter signing and ask me how I did it. So I kind of ended up having, you know, a couple groups of moms just come to my house. And there was so much interest in it that then I started offering classes formally at a community center, church basement, that kind of thing. So it started very organically and very local, you know, hung up flyers at the coffee shop kind of thing back in the day. And uh, and it grew from there. And within really just a few years, it had grown to the point where I was having to turn people away. I had just couldn't, I was getting, you know, Rhode Island and New wow. Hampshire people wanted me to come and teach. And I was like, I, you know, I had two little kids. I was a very limited geographically and time-wise with what I could do. But I was teaching at one point, I think 13 was the max classes I taught in a week, which is a lot. Oh my goodness. Got, got yeah. two little kids. Yeah. A and week. A, wow. A week. And I, well, and that includes the weekend. So like I, I would do, you know, Saturdays and stuff and I, um, and my husband would watch the kids on the, on the weekend. So I could do a classes back to back on Saturday mornings was a very popular time for a lot of working parents too. It was like their thing to come and do a class with me on Saturdays. So yeah. So then I think it was 2014. My second was uh, preschool age. And that's when I first realized I kind of got maxed out um, on how much I could do. And I put out an online course and this was, you know, almost 10 years ago, online courses weren't really a thing. Interesting experience. The technology was very different. And um but yeah, so I put out an online course in 2014 and that's kind of how I moved into, you know, doing a lot more online and reaching a much broader audience because I have families that I work with that are in Europe and South America and all over the place. So that's so cool. Yeah. I've had South Africa, Australia. So yeah, so I've worked with families all over the place now and more recently the books. So I've done four mm -hmm. books over the past, I don't know how many years, but that's become more more recently, that's a lot of people know me from the books, but that's, mm -hmm. that's kind of the newer part of my offerings. So yeah. And the books look amazing. Yeah. It's funny. Cause when I was approached to do the first one, I was like, oh gosh, the world does not need another baby sign language book because there's, you know, there's a bunch out there and there's some good ones and there's some really not so great ones, but I thought the, they don't, there doesn't need to be another one. But then I also thought people always, and it's not a great way to learn sign language, you know, books are a tough way to teach something that's so visual, the best ways are number one in person. And then two, like this, where you can see motion and stuff. So it's a tough way to teach, but people always asked me for recommendations. And I thought, well, it'd be nice to have a book that was my way of teaching. And so I thought, what the heck, I'll do it. And it's sold a couple hundred thousands of copies now. And it's like very, very popular. And and then they asked me to do a second one and then a third one and then a fourth one. So yeah, that's amazing. Are. That is amazing. And my kids were born around the same time as, as your kids. And I remember 
I, I'm, I don't remember the name of the, this person, which I feel bad about because we really liked her as a family, but um, she did like a show. It was like a baby sign or sign language show for little kids and involved a tree house of some sort. So you're talking about signing time. That's Rachel Coleman. Rachel. Yes. 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 And I actually, so signing time, um, there was the signing time. Uh, there were DVDs back at the time, <laughs> the signing time, and then the baby signing time. And then she made other ones. And I actually, we we loved those when my daughter was a baby too. And mm-hmm. I ended up working with her. So oh, wow. as part of her signing time academy and um, yeah, her, her music and her, her way of teaching is really wonderful. I actually brought her, we did a concert. I say my little one was one. So I brought her to Massachusetts for a concert, a signing time concert. The concert was in Wellesley and then she did a private story time for all my students. Oh, nice. And it was really cool. Yeah. yeah I'll share the pictures nice. with you because uh, you'll be like, uh, every, everybody, it was like Elmo and then Rachel Coleman. Yeah. And now there's like Miss Rachel. And then it, I remember the first time people were talking about Miss Rachel, who's like the new YouTube mm-hmm. star. I'm like, are they talking about Rachel Coleman? So now there's two very cool Rachels mm-hmm. out there. Yeah, she was very popular in the homeschooling groups at the time. Um, and it's nice that there's even more resources now than there yeah. was back then. And But let's take a step back. Like for those who might not know, what exactly is baby sign language and how does it differ from other forms of sign language? Yeah, that's a, that's a really, really good question because there's a lot of confusion around that, you know, because baby sign language isn't really a language. It's a communication technique and it's a hybrid of spoken language and sign language. And some baby sign language programs use American sign language. Some baby sign language programs use British sign language. Some baby sign language programs use made up gestures that aren't based in sign language. So it causes a lot of confusion. Mm -hmm. So, but it's basically when people say baby sign language, it's this hybrid approach or bimodal communication where you're using both spoken language and signed language. So manual and, and verbal language. And when we're doing that with hearing babies, we're really just focusing on keywords. So it's like a keyword signing approach. So you'd say, do you want some milk? And you just sign the one keyword of that sentence. So you're kind of picking a keyword of any given sentence and signing that one key concept or idea from the sentence. So that's what baby sign language is. And it can be used with English. It can be used with any spoken language. And, and, it, and if you have a bilingual or multilingual home, you can use sign language and pair it with both or all of the spoken languages that are being used. And it really helps bilingual and multilingual families. It helps those little ones create a bridge between the spoken languages. Because if you think about it, if I said cat and then I said gato, you'd be like, it's the same thing, right? So it mm-hmm. really helps little ones make connections between spoken language. So it's a really, sometimes people say, well, will sign language confuse my baby because we're bilingual? And I'm like, no, it actually will be incredibly helpful to help them make those connections between the different languages. So all that being said, so when I teach baby sign language, I use American Sign Language vocabulary. And so American Sign Language is the sign language of the US, most of Canada, not Quebec. So there's... Sometimes people, oftentimes people think there's one sign language, mm-hmm. but there's, you know, hundreds of sign languages all around the world. And um, American sign language is very similar to French sign language. Oh, and, is it? Yeah. Cause it was, came from the man who started 
was involved in the first school for the deaf in Connecticut, came from France. So it was kind Mm of grew out of that. So actually American Sign Language is more similar to French Sign Language than British Sign Language. But people sometimes think because it's English, it's a spoken language in both England and the US. So it gets confusing. But um, so yeah, so I use ASL vocabulary, but then sometimes people think if they're learning baby sign language with me and they're learning ASL signs that they're learning American Sign Language. But they're not because American Sign Language, they're, they're learning vocabulary. But American Sign Language is a full, rich, complex language. It's not just English done with your hands. It has mm-hmm. its own grammar and its own, you know, sentence structure. So um, I just use vocabulary. Mm-hmm. It's just vocabulary. And so a lot of times families that kind of fall in love with signing when they work with me, I'll, when they when they kind of their kids age out and they're still interested in learning, I'll, you know, recommend they study with deaf teachers are the best teachers. Mm. for learning the language. So I'll point them in the direction of learning the language richly from someone who's a real expert and it's their primary language. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I never thought about how it would help a bilingual, like it's something that you just don't think about how it would help bi- like bilingual households. And that's really cool to create that that bridge. What are some of the other benefits of ba- baby sound language? You talk about on your website how a baby's ability to understand language comes before their ability to speak the language. And I do remember um, with my second, especially, sometimes she'd get really frustrated at not being able to express what she wanted. And that's when she would really, she wasn't as interested in using the signs as my other kids were, but when she would get frustrated and I'd be like, I don't know what you want. I don't know what you're telling me. That's when she would finally like use it. Mm. And I'd be like, oh, okay. Yeah, so yeah. is that what you would consider like another benefit? Oh, a hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, so there's receptive language, which is what we understand. And then there's expressive language, which is what we communicate. And so baby's receptive language develops sooner than their expressive language, which is why you can have, you know, a 13 month old who says, you know, mama, dada, baba, but you can say, where's your belly button? And they go, boop, or where's your nose? Boop, Cause they understand the question, but they can't say, where is your nose? Because mm-hmm. they don't have those expressive speech skills yet. So that gap is where the frustration lies because they understand what, what's happening. They know that, you know, the dog is in the other room and they really want the dog. Um, but they can't say, you know, mom, please go open the door and let the dog in. So they get frustrated. Right. And so if they can sign dog, they can sign cat, they can sign ball, they can sign more, whatever, then you're bridging that gap and that frustration. Cause you know, toddlers do have a reputation for tantruming and, and being frustration, but most of that comes from frustration about not being understood. Mm-hmm. And if you put yourself in an 18-month-old's shoes and you understand, you know, the majority of what's happening around you and the and you're understanding the conversation that's happening around you, but you can't participate in it and you can't express your needs and wants in the context of the you know, ongoing conversation that you're surrounded with all day, I'd be real frustrated too. <laughs> yeah. You know? Little bodies, big, big feelings, right? For sure. And I for do sure. think that's true. Like the more tools that you give your toddler or your young child to express themselves, the less frustrated. Absolutely. They'll be in the more part or involved in the family they'll feel like. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's like, to me, that's like the, the fundamental benefit of, of this. But for me, my passion about it goes 
beyond that because I, you know, obviously signed with both my kids and it, it was like a window into their little brains. Like I just have such strong feelings about the benefits that it created for us that I feel like extended beyond, you know, temporary frustration in the moment, as far as building an understanding of the person they are, of, you know, what their interests were, how they saw the world uniquely. It just really allowed me to kind of get in and see the world from their point of view and through their eyes, because, you know, I'm just trying to think of it. I can think of a million examples, but like, you know, you're, you're, toddlers sitting in the shopping cart and babbling and you, you know, you can understand a little bit, but it's mostly just babbling and cute noises and you stop and there's a wall of cereal and, and at eye level, there's kicks or some other kind of little puff shaped cereal and your toddler starts signing ball because they see the box and it has all those little circles on it that look like little and you could say those do look like balls and you can have this whole conversation that if you didn't know that that's what they were seeing when they looked at that box it would just look like they're just looking at the box and whatever it's mm -hmm. colorful but they're making connections and you can then participate in that conversation and that's where I get excited about this because yeah. I feel like the magic starts to really happen once they have more vocabulary beyond mm -hmm. just, you know, a handful of starter signs, because that's when things get really cool. Mm -hmm. And that's yeah, what I, I get excited that. about. Yeah. It's like unlocking a secret window in totally. your child's mind. I love that. Do you think, um, or do you know, does it help with your general language development or does it hinder? Because I remember, and now this was like 18 to 16 years ago, two of my kids, they didn't have like speech issues, but they just, they were a little slow to start talking. Mm -hmm. And the pediatrician I had at the time was like, "Was because you do sign language with them. If they're <laughs> if they're if you're learning sign language, they're not going to want to talk or need to talk because they, they're just going to sign it to you." And to me at the time, that didn't make sense because I'm like, "We're using like six signs. Yeah. <laughs> like we're not doing an extensive. We're not having conversations in sign language, like right. like that." Yeah, and it ended up just being my kids. Just I took them to speech therapy, and the speech therapist was like, "You're quiet." And then when you do talk, you talk a little fast. And so they're just trying to take it in. <laughs> yeah. Ended up having nothing to do with the sign language. And even the FLP I went to was like, yeah, that, that's rubbish. Don't listen yeah. to that. So I was just wondering what your thoughts were that. Because that is something that I did hear from multiple people. Like, oh, don't teach your baby sign language because then they won't talk. Yeah, but definitely for sure. When I first started doing this back in the day around the same time, that was more of like a, a thing, like an obstacle that I had to, a question I had to answer over and over again. And fortunately these days, I feel like the pediatricians have caught up with the times. And in mm -hmm. fact, the uh, American Academy of Pediatrics have put out a statement that it does not, that it, you know, supports language development. So it's kind of like the final word has been said on that. And there's, there's been a lot of research on it. The research conclusively says that it does not hinder or delay speech. Some studies indicate that it helps language development or moves it along faster, but that's it, the results on that part of things are inconsistent. Um, my personal experience is that it does support bigger vocabularies. I find that families that I work with that do a lot of signing when their kids do start speaking, they have more substantial vocabularies because they've been using the, that language for longer, but it won't necessarily make your child speak earlier 
but it will help their overall communication and vocabulary development and, and communication skills because they're really learning early on that like give and take of conversation. Mm-hmm. But absolutely, it does not delay speech. And it's actually interesting because, you know, speech delays are very common, you know, minor speech delays, significant speech delays, whatever. But imagine your kids that had maybe were a little slower to talk that you were using signs with. Imagine if you hadn't been using signs. Hmm. That's a good point. Yeah. Like how would that have gone for them? Not well. It's extremely frustrating. (laughs) (laughs) Right. That's the point. It's like, if you think about it, you know, and I mean, most speech pathologists, a lot of the folks who take my classes are speech therapists who want to build their vocabulary so they can use it with their clients. Because if you have a kid who's working on articulation and all the skills that go into speech, you want to get them communicating. And so SLPs use sign language all the time when they're working mm-hmm. with little kids. And I, in addition to working with babies and toddlers, I work with kids with Down syndrome, autism, apraxia, different speech delays, because it's a wonderful tool for facilitating communication for anyone who's struggling or not yet speaking. And saying that, oh, if you're signing with them, they won't talk. It's like saying, don't let your kid crawl because if they start crawling, they're never going to walk. I mean, that doesn't make any sense. Like kids, if a kid is a toddler or a baby is surrounded by in a hearing, you know, verbal world, they want to participate in that as soon as they possibly can, which is why babies who use sign language, who then start speaking, often the signs fade away pretty quickly because Mm -hmm. first they want to speak and participate in what's going on around them. They don't want to just be sit there and be, you know, stuck with a few handful of signs when everyone around them is talking quickly, like Mm -hmm. you and I both do. Right. Because we're (laughs) New Englanders. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, And I think that's kind of that thought is also really dismissive of a baby's capabilities to communicate that to me, that's like saying, you know, if don't raise your child in a bilingual household, because if they're hearing one language, they're not going to talk in the other language, which is of course ridiculous. Right. Right. So it's the same thing. If they're learning sign language, they can learn another language too. Yeah. Part of the research also indicates that like, you know, using sign language, visual manual language is processed in a different part of the brain than verbal language. So you're kind of building connections between the hemispheres of the brain and it, it, it's all kinds of good brain building stuff. Yeah. So the benefits are all on the upside. You know, yeah. there's long-term benefits as well, as far as the brain building that you're doing. I mean, my kids still, you know, know the alphabet and can fingerspell. Mm-hmm. Like if we're someplace and, you know, they have to be quiet, they can fingerspell something to me <laughs> or whatever, or sign that they need to go to the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and that's interesting, the the point that you made about like connecting the the brain hemispheres because music does that too. And music is almost like its own language. Yeah. Like when you're reading the notes, you're understanding what the notes mean, and then you're transcribing that to finger movements or whatnot. So that's right. Yeah. Very cool. What at what age should can parents start or should start to use baby sign language with their babies? Yeah, that is like the number one question that people ask. And really you can start when your baby is newborn. You can start when your baby is 18 months and super frustrated. There's not like, you know, a window that closes if you don't do it, you know, like within this, you know, within 12 hours of birth, if you don't start, it will never work. Um, most people start once their baby's sitting up and kind of has free use of their hands and kind of is in that, 
you know, that phase where you see babies sitting independently, they're starting to reach and grab, that's a great time. But that doesn't mean if you've got a four-month-old that you can't start signing milk each time you do a feeding or whatever. But, you know, you know from what you do, that fourth trimester is no joke. (laughs) And and parents don't need more pressure. So, Mm -hmm. you know, like if some people are super gung-ho and this is really exciting and and something they want to do. So I have had people take classes with me when they're pregnant. I've had people take classes when they've got like a three-week-old. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. There's absolutely nothing wrong with it, but you also shouldn't feel like Oh my God, I have to. And on, in addition to getting the breastfeeding working out or, you know, all, dealing with the possible allergies or, mm-hmm. you know, the sleep issues, I have to also learn sign language. Like it's, yeah. it's okay. I find that signing really peaks. Most babies start signing back in like the eight to 12 month range. Signing, as far as its usefulness, really peaks in the 12 to 24 month range. That's when you've got. A, a, you know, a young toddler who really understands and has very limited speech, you know, has a handful of words. Mm-hmm. And, they're, you know, from 12 months to 24 months, there's huge developmental stuff that goes on speech-wise. But man, that's when I, I really see toddlers, babies um, signing really explode in that window for mm-hmm. sure. And some babies who, you know, depending on how their language development might, you know, do still do a lot of signing into their, when they're two until they're three years old, depending, mm-hmm. you know, every kid's different. I mean, you know, some babies make their first sign at eight months. Some make their first sign at 18 months. It's like any developmental milestone, right? They're all mm-hmm. unique. Some babies start walking when they're nine months, some when they're 19 months, some when they're, they're all different. But yeah. kind of like, if you're looking at the, you know, the big bell curve, most babies start signing back in that kind of eight to 12 month mm-hmm. range with 10 months being about average. So if you know that plan accordingly, you know, yeah. so if you have a, a five month old and you sign with them, you know, faithfully for four weeks and they don't start signing back to you, it doesn't mean it's not working. Mm-hmm. It just means that they're not able to yet. You right. know what I mean? That's like saying like, well, I've been, you know, putting, holding my six month old in a walking position every day. And every time I let go, he falls, <laughs> you know, like yeah. well, he's not like, he's not ready yet. <laughs> right. Yeah. So like, you know, sometimes people start early and they're like, it didn't work. And mm-hmm. I'm like, well, that's because you weren't there yet for it to right. work. And it doesn't mean that they don't understand it. Cause just like we talk to our babies from the day they're born, like, Oh, you're so precious. Look how beautiful you are. They're not going to say, thank you so much. I really appreciate mm-hmm. the feedback. But they're taking it in, right? They're hearing your voice. They're getting familiar with the lilt of the way you speak. Like Mm -hmm. with signing is the same thing. They're soaking it up. They're watching you. They're absorbing it, but they're not able to do it back yet. And that comes later. So you have to be patient. And the older the child is, the less patient you have to be. Mm -hmm. So if you're not a patient person, wait, (laughs) you know, because if you have, um, you know, a 12 month old, they're going to learn a lot faster than a two month old. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. And that reminds me of the, I follow some, uh, a few deaf creators on like TikTok and stuff who sign with their babies. Cause that's how they communicate. And it, it, I don't know why it never occurred to me that this would happen, but when they show videos of their young baby signing, and then they explain like, this is babble. 
this is yeah. fine. But like, it doesn't really mean anything. There's no words that are connected to the signs that they're making. They're just kind of like babbling their hands in around, sign right. language, which is, which I thought that is so cool. Yeah. I don't know why I didn't think that that would happen that way, but that's the natural progression of language, whether it's verbal or with gestures, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing. So if you do start early, your baby might start babbling at, mm-hmm. you know, four five, six months. And does it mean that they're intentionally, meaningfully communicating with you, but they see you doing it all the time. So then they're doing it. And similar to how hearing babies babble verbally, deaf babies tend to babble. And some hearing babies who are exposed to sign language can babble with their hands. Just like early words come out initially, like uh, approximation. So like mommy is, might be mama, right? Mm -hmm. And so the sign for more might be this Mm. or this Mm -hmm. or this so that's an approximation so just like you know a toddler might say fuffalunt for elephant a baby might say mommy mommy for mom right so and as the parent you know what they're trying to say because you understand the context that's right that's right so you have sign approximations just as you have speech approximations early on babies are so cool I just say the coolest. I know. I love it. Do you, in your opinion, are there like specific signs that parents should start with or just any signs that they prefer? I really advocate for a mix. And I talk about this in my classes and in my books about a mix of playful and useful signs, because as parents, we tend to focus on useful signs, right? So the ones that are, you know, useful to us, we want our babies to tell us when they're hungry, when they're tired, you know, those sorts of things. So parents tend to focus on, you know, eat and bed or sleepy or milk, you know, kind of the useful functional ones, which are great. I absolutely support using those useful ones. But I also really advocate for using some playful ones that are based on your baby's interest. And those are going to be different for everyone. So if you have a cat, you're going to want to teach your baby the sign for cat. Mm. If you have a big aquarium in your living room, you're probably going to want to teach them the sign for fish. If you have a ceiling fan, you might want to teach them the sign for fans. So you kind of have to look at your environment and your unique kiddo and what they seem to be interested in and pick signs based on their interest. I really love the, you know, kind of follow your baby's interests and mm-hmm. kind of put yourself in their shoes. And even when they're, even if they're before they're wearing shoes, you know, kind of look at the world from their point of view. You know, if, if they spend a lot of time laying on a blanket on the living room floor, lay down on the floor and look around. Like, is there a ceiling fan? Is there a light? Do you see, you know, cars going by? Mm-hmm. Is there a bird feeder outside the slider? Like what's your baby looking at and drawn to? And then pick a few signs based on those unique things because oftentimes that's usually what they sign back first. Mm-hmm. That's great. That's a great idea. Um, I know that we had talked a little bit about the old idea of if you teach your baby sign language, they won't talk. Are there nowadays, are there any other challenges or common misconceptions that parents are facing when they are teaching their baby sign language? Or do you feel like everyone's kind of caught on that this is a really good thing and no one's naysaying it anymore? I really don't see the naysaying like I used to when I first started doing this. Um, I do see a lot of folks that, you know, just kind of want to do the basics. And I'd rather see somebody do the, you know, the basics than nothing. I mean, there's absolutely, but I do see... Some, I mean, I guess the only thing I do see some people saying that they don't see the value in it. And, you know, I think it just depends on the individual. I I see so much value in it. Like I, 
I can't imagine parenting those first few years without it. Frankly, I I see parents with toddlers that aren't using signs and I'm like, I, God bless. Like, I don't know how, how one does that mm-hmm. if you can't communicate. Um, but, you know, people have, you also just don't know people. Some people just, you, you've got a lot, people have a lot on their plate. And so if yeah. they just can't do it, then you just can't do it, you know? Mm-hmm. But I am of the mind that it makes life so much easier, not harder. And there's ways to make it fun and easy. I mean, that's what in my program, in my, I have a membership of families that we do every month, a different theme and we use songs and stories. And I, I make it as fun and easy as possible to take songs you already know, songs you're probably singing already to your baby and mm-hmm. adding signs to it, you know? So we're singing Itsy Bitsy Spider. Spider goes up the water spout. Hey, now you know the sign for water. So next time you're in the tub, you can sign water as they're splashing. Next time you give them a sippy cup with water, you can sign water. But we learned it in the Itsy Bitsy Spider mm-hmm. and it's an easy way to learn and practice it with a familiar song. So I really focus on the fun and easy part of it. Um, because it's a little daunting when you're a new parent to think, oh, I've got to learn a whole nother language when you really just need to strategize and, and learn the right vocabulary for your particular mm-hmm. kid. And it's not as hard as that sounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that example that you gave, like that sounded like a really good way to just integrate it into the daily routine and the daily play. What other tips do you have for integrating it within the, the daily routine? Yeah. I mean, really just building it into, you know, the key points of the day, things that you do every day. So you probably change a diaper more than once a day. And so, you know, there's a couple ways you could approach that. You could use functional signs like change or diaper or whatever, and talk, you know, kind of narrate to your child as you're changing their diaper and integrate a few signs, or you could put some pictures next to the changing table of things that you that, you know, will catch their eye. It also helps when you've got a squirmy baby, because I don't know about you, but my kids love to do the like rotisserie thing when I was trying to change their diaper. Mm -hmm. So, you know, putting a couple pictures on the wall that catch their eye that they can look at and then teaching them the sign. Cause I mean, that's a great time. You've, you've got great eye contact, you know, when your baby's on the other side of the room, it's tough, but like at mealtime when they're in their high chair and you've got close proximity when they're in the tub and you're down on your knees and you've got good eye contact well, on the changing table and your eyeball to eyeball, those are great times to integrate signing because you've got good eye contact and your hands are right between you and them. So yeah, so use those opportunities when you have their attention mm-hmm. to, you know, integrate signs into your daily routines and put some fun ones in there too, through pictures or songs or story time. Mm-hmm. We use books and songs a lot in my program are my two favorite tools. Sign songs and stories is really kind of my signature. And that's why my my more recent most recent book, the one up there, is all about songs and games. Mm-hmm. Make it fun because it if it's not fun, then it's I just do it. <laughs> it's just it's just we have enough things to do that are chores. And mm-hmm. this shouldn't be a chore, you know, it should be something that you look forward to and that, you know, brings joy to your day. And, you know, lights up your baby and lights you up as you connect and creates memories that down the road, you'll look back and be like, oh, you know, mm-hmm. I'm actually jealous of new moms that, you know, I had a cell phone when my baby was a baby, but I didn't have an iPhone or a smartphone yet. And moms, moms now walk around with these incredible 
recording devices. They have all this video of their babies. And I don't, I have, I have some video, but not to the extent that, that moms these days do where they can just constantly capture these little clips of their little ones. And I mean, you can have so much fun looking back at videos of the way, like, just as I was saying before, how babies approximate signs early on, you know, sometimes parents will want to kind of fix those approximations. And I'm like, oh my gosh, don't like just, you know, you keep, you keep modeling it the right way. Just like if your baby says fuffalunt, you say, that's right, an elephant. You know, you don't say, yeah, that's a fuffalunt. You you know, you model correctly and they do their best. And it's the same with signs. And those kind of mistakes become like the most precious memories as they get older. Mm-hmm. You know, the things they did kind of wrong in their best attempt at 16 months mm-hmm. will be the thing that you remember more than the day they got it perfect. Right. Just like yeah. with the the verbal language too, like you said, like, yeah. you know, if my kid was calling elephant by a funny name, I, I'd remember that and be like, remember yeah. when she used to call elephant this? And yeah. <laughs> she said biscotti instead of, and then one day yeah. she says, and then she says spaghetti and you're like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> you're like nobody correct her. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. For so, sure. If you have a family that you're working with and the and the parent is like, I really want to learn sign language, I want to teach my baby sign language, but I just have a hard time staying consistent with it because with any skill, consistency is important. But maybe they're just going through the whole day and it's the end of the day and they're like, I just completely forgot to use any of the signs that I had learned. What advice would you give that family um, is it worth them trying to, you know, because like you said, people got a lot of things going on and sometimes staying consistent with a skill is not, not in the bandwidth at the time. So what advice would you give? All right. So that is a really important question. And I would say focus on quality over quantity. I would much rather see a family do a few minutes of like connected, like when I was talking about before with like the eye contact at mealtime, your baby's smiling, you're smiling, you're connected. Having a few minutes of incorporating signs into that moment versus like signing all day as you're rushing from one thing to another and you're haggard and rushed. Don't worry about it. It's really about the quality of the interaction. And there's some days where it just won't happen. Baby's got a fever. You're got a big project for work and it doesn't happen. That's okay. You don't, you don't go backwards, you just don't go forwards. So that's fine. You might lose a whole week because everyone's sick. That's okay. Pick up when you when you feel better. It's okay. It's not like if you miss a day, it's all ruined or or mm-hmm. you know, it's funny. I remember this one woman who was telling me how her her toddler son hated signing. I was like, it doesn't make any sense. And I was like, talk like. And I, I asked, I won't tell you the whole story, but I, I asked a bunch of questions to kind of understand. And what I realized was, is that, you know, this mom had heard correctly that signing could reduce frustration. So every time her son was frustrated, she started using signs with him. <laughs> and so I'm like, well, yeah. <laughs> right? So it's like, you know, it's really important to, to have quality interactions of connection to, to model the signs so that your baby can then use them when they need them. But you can't teach your, you, none of us can learn something new. If I was like, I just got a flat tire and I'm late for something and somebody was like, came over and tried to, you know, teach me something new. 
I'd be like, not, you know? Mm -hmm. And so when your baby's melting down because they missed a nap or they're hungry, they can't learn anything new in that moment. You know, you, you need to teach them when they're primed to learn. So when they're, while they're happily eating, not, you know, when they're frustrated and really hungry, but like when they're happily eating or you're playing or, you know, you're having some, you know, blowing raspberries on their belly as they're on the changing table. That's when you can, you know, your baby's smiling, you're blowing, you know, raspberries on their belly. And then you say more, and then mm-hmm. that's the time to teach. Mm-hmm. So to answer your question about somebody who just can't do it, then don't, because that, you know, that's not the day to do it anyway. Mm-hmm. And we all have those days, weeks. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that was very reassuring. Yeah. Because that parent was me. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. No, like, and, and I am like very type A type to like strive for perfection. And I do remember feeling like actual guilt if I went the whole day without doing any signs. And you know what? My kids oh, turn no. out fine. It's okay. And that's the thing too. It's like, you know, if somebody's like, I do not have the bandwidth for this. Like, that's great that people do this. And I just can't. Mm-hmm. That's okay. Your baby will be fine. Yeah. You know, I, I yeah. mean, if it's not for you, I used to, when I first started doing this was kind of like on a mission, but you know, I don't, it's, I know how I get excited because I see how much families end up enjoying it and how fun and easy and rewarding it is. But I also am not here to guilt anybody. If it's mm-hmm. not for you, you, you're totally maxed out. And I've been maxed out, you know, there's no guilt, no guilt. And if it's something you want, and the other thing too, is that during your baby's first year, you just might not have the bandwidth, but now they're 20 months old and you might have the bandwidth, but you think it's too late. Well, unless they're speaking in full sentences, it's not too late. And unless you can understand every word they're saying, because intelligibility is also an issue with toddlers Mm -hmm. because, you know, they might be saying a lot, but you will get like 50% of it because the rest is kind of hard to understand. So it's never too late unless your baby's speaking like you and I are speaking right now, you know, to, to add some sign language in. So, yeah. And I love, love, love your point about doing, having the connection being the important part. Because it's it's like that for a lot of things with babies. Being a lactation consultant, I do a lot of suck training exercises, therapeutic tummy time, things like that, that I show parents to do. And I always explain to them because the first question is, well, how many times a day should I do it? And I say, well, let's shoot for this number of times a day. But it's more important that when you do it, that you're not trying to do it when your baby's crying and hungry or overtired, that you're trying to do it when your baby's calm and content and making eye contact with you. Because the most important part of like timing time is the engagement with you. So I love that you really strengthen that point with the families that you work with. 100%. That's the most important part. If it if it feels just another kind of chore on the list that you have to do and you don't want to be doing it, then don't. Because it's not, you're not going to be being, bringing the right energy to the interaction, you know. Mm-hmm. It should be making your life easier, not harder. That's right. That's right. And it, I'd much rather, you know, a, a parent or caregiver use milk when they're holding their baby and they're connected and do it once like that than do it 20 times a day as they're rushing and like checking things off a list kind of like, but not really fully present and connected. Mm-hmm. Right. Because so. your baby, I imagine the baby is not going to pick up on it 
as quickly, at least if there's no connection there. Like if you're just haphazardly like, oh, I'm going to do this really quick because I have to do it this many times a day. Versus if you are making that eye contact and you're offering your breast to feed and then you're signing and you're smiling and you're saying, do you want, you know, yeah. some yeah. milk or whatever. Yeah. Connection. Yeah. Quality over quantity. Mm-hmm. Always. Um, what are some, and I, I do want to hear about your resources too, where families can find you, but what are some resources or tools that parents can use on their journey of teaching their baby sign language? I mean, use what you have, like, you know, use the books that you have in your collection, in your basket of board books, use the songs that you already know and add a sign to it. Really? I mean, the things that you are, the games you already play with your baby, like if you're playing peekaboo or you're playing, how big is Charlie? So like those, those games, those books, those songs, that's what you can sprinkle a little sign language onto. You don't have to go do something completely new and add something Mm -hmm. more to your list. It's just adding a little like dressing on top of what you're already doing, really. Mm -hmm. I just love your philosophy of not stressing parents out (laughs) so much. Like, thank you for that. And I'm sure every parent (laughs) listening is like, yes, thank you. Because we want to connect and we want to do these things that benefit our family with but we don't want to be stressed out about it or no, overwhelmed. No, 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 no. We want to just like do what you're already doing well mm-hmm. and then sprinkle a few signs on top of it. And that's right. it. That's it. Easy peasy. Easy peasy. <laughs> that's what, I mean, that's what I do with my students all the time. We just mm-hmm. take the books you have, you know, take the songs, you know, and, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not, just don't want to make it harder, but just do what you're doing. And then it's like uh, kicking it up a notch more. That's all. Do you have a favorite sign? A few favorite signs. Let me think. I really love the sign for sea turtle. I just love it. Okay. So there's two signs for turtle. So a regular garden variety turtle mm-hmm. is like this. Wait, I got to back up a little bit so you can see my hands. So you make a thumbs up and then you put your curved hand over the back. So it's oh, like a cute. shell. So it's, it's like, like a little, a turtle. T- looks like a turtle, right? Yeah. But sea turtle, you take your flat hands and you stack them like this and you rotate your thumbs and it looks like a sea turtle. It looks like a swimming turtle. That's <laughs> so cute. Isn't that the best? Yeah. Animal signs are my favorite. Like that's, mm-hmm. I love teaching animal signs. I choose zoo animals and farm animals and forest animals. And I, I love mm-hmm. sea animals. So I love animal signs and toddlers love animal signs. So, and it's, yeah. yeah. I love your, your little videos on Instagram where you, it's usually like three signs. You're like three signs to teach your baby for Easter or whatever. And I love those because it's like three signs so quick, so easy. And it, you, and I like that you focus it around like upcoming holidays or or upcoming seasons so that you can just put it into your daily routine. Easter coming up. Let's start using some Easter signs. Yeah. This is bunny. This, I I have not been so good on on social media lately because I'm so busy with my members, but I love a theme. Mm-hmm. And uh, so every month we have a different theme. So this theme now, so it's, we're recording this in May and the theme this month is let's go outside. Cause you know, it's springtime and mm-hmm. the weather's nice. So it's all nature science. So we're learning like bug and butterfly and grass and flower and tree. So every month we have a different theme and I love, mm-hmm. and I do it somewhat seasonally. So like in February we did feelings 
because Valentine's Day. Oh, and I and I love that you're you're doing some signs for feelings too, because again, yeah. little bodies, big feelings. <laughs> yeah. And just giving them more ways to say, like, this is how I'm feeling. Yeah. Um, and how and expressing themselves. Yeah. So Lane, tell us a little bit more about your your membership um and where where parents can reach you, um, your books, where they can find your books. So the books, there are four and you can find them anywhere books are sold. So this one here, that that's the first one. And that's, you know, the kind of the intro one, that's the best one to start with. Um, there's another one. I don't know if you can see it. It's kind of behind me here. That's the second one that has more vocabulary. The third one is like a picture book. So that's when you can read with people always kind of ask me what's the difference is. So that's why I'm telling that's a picture book that you read with your baby. And then the, the, blue one up there is the songs that's kind of more advanced. Like once you've got the basics and you're looking for more songs and things to do with them. So those are the books. And then my website's tinyscience.com. And there's a free dictionary on there that has hundreds of signs vocabulary. So you can can just go and sign up for that. You have to be a subscriber, but you can, it's free. So you can sign up and um, watch the videos to learn any signs. And then Club Tiny Signs is my membership. And that's kind of like my heart and soul these days. So we have a members only area. Each month we have a theme. We learn a bunch of vocabulary. There's a comprehension quiz. I give prizes for people who get, you know, an 80% or above. And there's songs related to the theme. And then there's um, a packet with a printables that has illustrations of all the signs, book recommendations, lyrics to songs. I put together a whole. And then we do a live story time on Zoom to kind of practice it all together live. That sounds so much fun. (laughs) (laughs) And use so many resources. And I love that the club, like you're you're building a community out of it. So you're not feeling like you're just this one family that you know that's just trying sign language. Like you can go and hang out with other families. That's right. Who are doing the same thing. That's awesome. Yeah. And we have a Facebook group. It's not as busy as it used to be because I feel like people aren't on Facebook as much, but there is that community there. And I actually just added something new because, you know, I would do a monthly Q&A, but the thing is, is if you, if it's Tuesday and you have a question, you don't want to wait till the Q&A next Saturday. So I have this ask lane thing. So you can basically, this is a members only thing, but they can ask me a question. You can say, I won't answer you at two in the morning, but you can send a question to me anytime directly. And I'll give you a video response. That's like a members only thing. So people are like, my baby's doing this. Is this a sign? I don't know. Like they can send me a video of their, of their baby. And I'll be like, we can, get that one-on-one support so that people need. So yeah, it's a lot. You get a lot for, for, for a small amount each month. So yeah, Mm -hmm. I love it. That's awesome. Um, And we will put the links to, to your books and your website in, in the show notes as well. But thank you, Lane, for sharing your expertise on baby sign language. This has been a really fun conversation. It's brought back a lot of memories for me for when I was signing with my kids. And I I did enjoy it. I didn't do a lot of it. Like you said, like I mentioned, I was that parent that was like, oh, it's been a couple of days since I've actually done any signs. But they still picked up on it. And I still found it extremely useful. Well, yeah, that's awesome. I mean, you did more than almost, you know, most of the world out there, especially, you know, back then. I mean, I know I was in my group of like mommy friends, the only one who was doing it. So the fact that you were doing it at all is like fantastic. And no guilt, no guilt. Exactly. No guilt. That is no our guilt. motto for this year. Yes. No <laughs> guilt. Thank you so much, Lane. It's been really nice talking to you. Oh, thanks for having me. 
Thank you for joining us this week on the Baby Pro Podcast. Make sure to visit our website, ShellyTaftIBCLC.com, where you can check out more options for support through pregnancy and beyond, including the Baby Pro Bistro, our parenting community. You can also follow us on social media at ShellyTaftIBCLC on Instagram. If you love the show, please leave us a rating or review on iTunes to help our episodes reach more parents like you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.